Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, author of I Fight for a Living, and we will win the day, which is out on paperback. You can also listen to my audible African-American athletes who made history on Amazon. I'm Derek White, author of The Challenge of Blackness, Institute of Black World and Politics of the 1970s, as well as Blood, Sweat and Tears, Jay Gaither, Florida A&M, and the History of Black College Football. Hey, Lou, this is an emergency pod. We just recorded last week, but we got to come back before the new year and bring and talk about two kind of breaking issues. And so before we take off, this is a good this is going to be a good pod for folks to listen when they're with their families driving to to Christmas right. uh, or when they're tired of their families, they could go in the right. corner and pull out their headphones uh, or they try out their new AirPods that they receive for Christmas. Or uh, put them year. on when you're driving and just ignore everybody. <laughs> Just ignore everybody. Okay. Nice. Um, let's start real quick. Before, you know, uh, we're going to talk about HBCUs. Today was signing day and we had some breaking news. Dion again, uh, broke the internet. Um, I want to start before we get into that. I want to talk a little bit about COVID ravaging through professional sports. Um, college football season is, uh, is, has, is almost over. We're at the playoffs and bowl season. And uh, with the exception of the Cal Bears, at least at the Power Five level, a Division One level, uh, all the teams made it through the season without having to cancel because of COVID. Uh, that is not the case for professional sports uh, who are heading into winter. Uh, we've uh, I was in North Carolina doing research last week, and so got Carolina hockey news, and apparently they had to cancel three games because they didn't have enough players. Uh, the NFL announced this week that 75 plus players and coaches are either had COVID or in COVID protocols, including the head coach of uh, the Cleveland Browns, who will not be coaching this weekend. That's well the second the time. Yeah, as well as the offensive oh coordinator, I think. Ah, or another. He's like another the Lamar. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then of course the NBA has been plagued this week. Uh, uh, news of various players across dozens of teams being out, and most notably the Chicago Bulls counseled a game the other night for not having enough players because of COVID protocols. So uh, the Omicron variant is, is coming back. Is like down three. It was down three one, but it is is determined to try to win this series. Apparently, yeah. No, that's you know I always come back to that moment. It was like March eleventh, March twelfth to. 2020 right rudy gobert and and the whole world you know the whole nation shut down and now we're just like we're moving on right or mm-hmm. you're on college campus and they send you emails like i know it's getting bad but finish strong i'm like okay <laughs> so it's just i you know i think it's just like it's here to stay um mm-hmm. which sucks and and these leagues are now like recommending the booster and i saw something the other day it's pretty much if you're not if you had your two shots a while ago and you're not boosted, then you're not vaxxed, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how how strong um this virus is becoming, right? So yeah. So I don't, you know, um, but you know what trips me out, I know we we talked about this in pre-show how I tweeted LeBron had that false positive, and that was like that was it, right? And next mm-hmm. thing you know, every everybody has it. The whole Rams team, the Cleveland team, his mm-hmm. Lakers players, everybody but LeBron. And I'm just like, oh my gosh like 
I don't, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I do know at some point that these leagues should probably, you know, hit pause. I don't know what they're worried about. I know. Okay. I know what they're worried about. They have Christmas. They have five games on Christmas, right? Yes. Um, and that's the big one. But, but at some point, at some point, you're just going to have to hit pause and figure things out. Um, and I think we all should, but nobody, you know, it's over. Nobody wants to shut down anymore. We're just, I think we're just going to live with it, um, in a, in a really bad way. Um, mm-hmm. and that's the rest of our life probably. So, yeah. Now I think, I think your point about, um, uh, about the two shots a while ago when folks like, you know, like I get, we, I know I got mine in March of last year and then had to get a booster uh recently and so i think that that's where we are and i it, i'd be interested we'll never get the statistics right but i'd be interested to know who's not only who's had the two shots but who's had the booster right because i suspect that part of this this influx of numbers right is um uh folks who who had two shots but may not have gotten around to getting the booster which is it just happened in the last few weeks right or last right. month or so and so i think that that's part of probably what's happening um and then, of course, you still have uh, unvaccinated status. I suspect that in hockey, a sport like hockey, I bet the unvaccinated status is maybe a little higher than we than they would like to talk about. Um, and then I think you you know between those three those two variables, right? That the the first two shots wearing off for folks being vaccinated, as well as the unvaccinated, the Omicron variant that's kind of running rapid, spreading at a rapid pace. And everybody moving indoors, right? That the, we we've really shifted out of you know summer, fall into winter, and now this close contact is now leading itself, lending itself to uh, COVID. You know these kind of upticks in COVID. But I think your point about just pushing through, like not coming to the end and not pausing, not going on break, not going in the bubble, none of that stuff is happening. We're just going to try to go uh, until until the leagues can't go anymore. Right, and that's happening. It seems like everywhere right like that's mm-hmm. that's you know even out here when it was the the surge what it was really bad we were the worst in the nation at best you would see signs on businesses like we highly recommend you wear a mask right so they're yeah i mean they're not like it's it, you know and and a part of it is like it's not that kind of it's on you now mentality which which i understand but the other part about it is like once you get to that point then it's always gonna it's just going to keep growing because most people, a lot of, I would say most, a lot, enough people don't want to get vaxxed, right? And, and mm-hmm. protect themselves. And it's just going to keep, they're going to keep spreading and spreading. And then we're going to get new variants, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, you know, the other part, I probably, this is bad on me, but oh my gosh, fantasy football playoffs for, for, <laughs> You know, at this time, I wasn't even gonna bring. I wasn't gonna bring up the fact that I well, I won our division. At, yeah, in, in which well, we you both know, there. You know. start, I started out zero and three, and I was on top to the very end. And then Lamar got hurt first quarter. Until uh, even if he doesn't get hurt, I think it went. So even if he doesn't get hurt, I lose that game. But I'd win most important. I would have won most points probably. Right, like I would have. I had a nice enough cushion, but without that, so I'm out the money there. But now I'm just like just trying to figure it out. I just lost my tight end again to COVID. I think I had like back-to-back lost tight ends. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, as long as Jonathan Taylor does good, but I did do, I did do something. I did pick up two extra quarterbacks. Like I know it's a lot, but you know, my, my flex receivers are in shambles. If, if Alan, Adam Thielen can't go, you know, if he can go, I got three solid receivers. If he can't, then I just got crappy one. So it's like, let me get Lamar's backup and let me get Justin Fields. The other part about it, if y'all's quarterback gets COVID, 
you're done. Me, I got three quarterbacks now. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, not we'll me, see. Because I, think- I play next week. Oh, ooh, yeah. I got to buy. That's right. Yeah, but you got Russ, and that's not going to help you out at all. Yeah, whatever. Um, so we'll help, see. Help we'll me see. To first I, place in my division. That's uh, awesome. So if I if I win this week, it's me and you, and that's 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 awesome I mean, because that's for it's not for all the Marvels, but winner gets money, right? And and that's that's what I'm looking at. So that's that's I see. Good I just luck. need Lamar to be. I just need Lamar really to be special. Three games. I need John. Good luck in the wild card game. Thank you. Thank you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so uh i didn't want to bring it up but i i now that you did i'm super excited that i, I went with i had an unbelievably low amount of points but i had the best defense uh i'm literally the baltimore ravens out here uh in fantasy football um so let's talk a little bit about today with sign national signing day which is uh, if you're a fan of college football like i am this is uh this is kind of like christmas this early signing day period it's the day where you're 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 college football team uh, feels good or feels bad, depending on how good good or bad your recruiting is, uh, and get hopeful about the future, right? And I always always joke that college sports is different than pro sports in at least one way, is that your coaches uh, and your teams have to win. They have to win twice. You want them to win on the field. You want them to win championships, but they also have to win in recruiting. They have to go out and sell hope um, and you have to feel good about your team going into the next year. Like, oh, we went six and six this year, but we got some good, good young players. Uh, and this is go. So my alma mater, University of Maryland, uh, just fired its basketball coach, Mark Turgeon. I want to say he didn't hire. We didn't fire him. Technically, he resigned. Mutual agreement. I get the technology technicalities right. Um, but as a Maryland fan, he had been there 10 plus years He's in his 11th season. And one of the things that had happened is that we'd stay. We didn't win enough. Uh, in the regular season, we didn't go deep enough in the tournament and then recruiting, which was so- fine, but not great by Maryland standards. And so when you're watching, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant just did a whole documentary about it must be the water of PG County, which is the very county that the University of Maryland's in. And you look at our roster and we don't have any star players from PG County yet. Star players are playing other countries, uh, other teams across the country. And so that leaves us a constant disappointment. And so the fan base had grown kind of restless uh, and it was it was a necessary thing. And so we see today in college football, all these teams are super excited. You see, uh, you know, the, the Blue Bloods, Alabama, Texas A&M, super excited. They got a top ranked class. Michigan's feeling really good out coming on off their playoff appearance. Um, Michigan State had an unbelievable class. And the University of Kentucky had its greatest recruiting class ever. Uh, but the story of today was that the number one recruit, Travis Hunter, who was a cornerback and wide receiver, uh, had been longstanding committed to Florida State, had been giving hopeful, uh, kind of giving hope to the future for Florida State football, that they were going to get back to their old winning ways. In fact, their head coach just got a contract extension literally yesterday. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, this morning, news broke that Hunter was going to decommit from Florida State and sign with not Georgia in his home state, but Jackson State University, led by Deion Sanders. And the whole Internet for roughly three hours was ablaze. Of, this is the number one story. Folks in uh, uh, my network and timeline who are affiliated to uh, affiliated with historically black colleges are going. It, we're super excited talking about this potential impossibility. White national commentators uh, who like Doug Gottlieb, uh, who are like, why would he ever go there? He made the worst decision in his life. 
yada, yada, yada. They can't understand what the allure would be to play at a historically black college, uh, especially one in Jackson, Mississippi uh, um, at, at this particular time. And so this is a really historic moment, right? That, 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 that Dion has been able to manage to, to turn recruiting and give hope to not only Jackson State, who's 11 and one, Dion has just won uh, the Eddie Robinson uh, Coach of the Year Award at the FCS level. This weekend, they play for a celebration bowl, which is tantamount to the Black College National title. Uh, and so Dion's humming right now, got this program rolling. And, uh, and, and this is an exciting moment. And historically, this is the moment that we have not seen really since integration, right? We've had blips, right? Florida A&M was great in the late 70s, beating Miami. Eddie Robinson, Doug Williams uh, were fantastic in the set late 70s. Uh, Alcorn State, uh, Steve Air McNair was a Heisman finalist uh, in the 90s. Like this is a, you know, we see these moments where we see these kind of bubble to the top, but we don't see it on the recruiting side where the blue chippers are on the front end of the play uh, coming out of high school. And I think this is a really different moment. And so, Lou, you're not the biggest college football fan. <laughs> but give us some, you know, talk a little bit for our listeners a little bit about, you know, why you, where you see this. Because we've been working on, we got a book we're supposed to be working on uh, about black college football. Put that out there in the ether. Wow, you just put that out there. Yeah, so that's that's after our other books, right? We got to we gotta do the solos, then come together, like, boom, boom. Um, like. I, you know, it's big. And like you said, it's, it's, and, and I think I mentioned this on Twitter, right? Like the, the big story has always been, you know, when integration starts in, in a, in a momentum, right? So integration has been there, but it hasn't really been there, been there. And then people talk about Dor- Duff Doherty at Michigan state, right? Where he was mm-hmm. bringing black players, but not just, you know, black players from around like Jackson or something, Joe Jackson, Michigan, but he's bringing them from the South. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, people like what, who like Bubba Smith, he even recruited James Shaq Harris. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't get him cause he wanted to turn the tight end and, you know, Harris stayed home, but that's, that's who he was. And then, you know, obviously once, once integration happens in the South, you know, those teams completely change. Right. And those guys are, they're staying home where they've mostly always been staying home then now all of a sudden they're not going to Southern, they're going to Louisiana state. Right. So Terry mm-hmm. Rubisky is a great example of this. Right. And um, he's, he's player, he's best player in Louisiana. And, and, and normally right, two years prior, that's, that's a fight between Southern grambling and maybe a team from the North that would want to grapple. Right. Cause I'm not mm-hmm. sure if like, S- or Tennessee grabbing. state or somebody coming down there, j- jumping in the territory, but yeah. Right. Jumping in that ter- which is a tough territory. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you have really good schools there. And then all of a sudden integration happens and, and it's like, okay, you, we got to get this guy. And you've talked about this before with Kentucky basketball. What, ha- what happened earlier is the powers that be got involved. The governors were there. The mayors were there, you know, talking to these kids, they're showing up their school. Right. Because they mm-hmm. want, now all of a sudden they care, right? And they right. want they know what's gonna happen. They knew the talent that was at Southern, they knew the talent that was at Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, right? Which which was kind of still there. But then all of a sudden it's gone, right? And I think I also mentioned this on Twitter is like this story is as if, you know, when you watch that 30 for 30, you watch that Marcus Debris story, no one's talking about him going to Jackson State or Mississippi or Mississippi Valley State. Like that would have been at that time in the 80s, that would have been ridiculous. Everybody at that moment would be like, why are you do that? Which is crazy to us because Mississippi Valley State was 
had Jerry Rice and Willie Todd right then. <laughs> right, right. They, they, eventually they got them, right? So I think Dupree graduates in, what, 81. But they're they're around at that time, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like they were a bad program, but no one's thinking that way. And now all of a sudden, this is this is a possibility. You know, this idea that Will Rodham talks about in $40 million slaves, why don't these guys just go to these schools, right? Now, he was doing in the basketball context, and we've talked about this before in the football. It's a lot harder because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's 10 other guys out there. If you add offensive defense, there's 21 other guys. You're just one player. So we'll see what kind of, you know, what, what you know, you know, what kind of um, impact he'll have, right? If you don't throw to his side, but still, this is a big move, and 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 in many ways, he's like this kind of neo barrier breaker, right? Like like here you have the, as you were telling me, he's the top player, right? He's almost mm-hmm. like one of the best to come out. He's his greatest, Charles Woodson, and this is like now he's breaking the barrier, right? And he said mm-hmm. like I want to open the light for others to follow, and we've seen some names like Shaq's one of Shaq's kids wind up going to HBCU, one of. Master P's kids want to go to HBCU and they're, you know, they're, they're talented enough. I'm sure they're D one players, but this is different, right? This is the top player going to an HBCU and going to one that people know about, right? Dion's uh, footprint changed. We talked about this last week, changed a lot of mm-hmm. things. We, and we talked about in the context, like, Oh, here comes Eddie George. Here comes Hugh Jackson, right? Like here comes all this attention. Now it's like he's got the number one player, and that's not where it's going to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Because the NILs, even the playing field out a little bit, right? And so if somebody like Prime, who's got connections everywhere, can start bringing in these mm-hmm. outside connections. Now where the HBCUs might struggle, where they can't compete with like a Michigan, that alumni network that's going to be different mm-hmm. right because michigan has a huge yeah. alumni network where you know i don't know how many billionaires are from this kind of network but they can change <laughs> the game pr- rather quickly yeah no i think uh, those are all excellent i mean when we think about the the that moment of integration right I, you know I, I talk about this a lot in my book because one of the things that I, I that even you know the 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 kind of motivation for writing the book about florida a&m in the first place was was the the University of Miami thirty for thirty right? They got in there and was like, Howard Stellenberger was you know wanted to be the state of Miami, and, and you know, and, and even today I talked about this on Twitter. The state of Miami, uh, one of their Twitter faves was like, you know, how how could they go to go to to Jackson State? That doesn't even make any sense. And I'm like, Miami only exists like the only reason that we even think of Miami as a football place is because of integration, right? Right. It's because they closed the black high schools and the black head coaches that were sending their kids primarily to Florida A&M got shut out of the jobs. And so their kids, so the white head coaches were making sure that they were going to white institutions. Right. And and it took that that little gap, that little window is what Howard Stellenberger was able to walk into and go in that to his credit. He went into neighborhoods and to schools that other white coaches had not gone into on a regular basis. But the opportunity uh, is there. When I lived in Miami, I always, I, I always think the note is that, that, that the city stadium where many of the great high school battles are played out, the Roberts have played out this, this stadium called Traz Powell Stadium. And most people don't even know who Traz Powell was, but Traz Powell was a longtime teacher at one of the black high schools that before uh, integration, but he had been a FAMU All-American and caught the first touchdown uh, in, the, in the Orange Blossom Classic. 
1947 uh, when he was on the roster, right? And he was a big time my uh, Florida A and M uh, booster and recruiting. He made sure that the best players of Miami got looked at by by Florida A and M. So they play us. You know, all these elite Miami players are playing in the stadium for a FAMU alum. Yeah, and, wow. and that gets erased from their memory, right? And so, what this this what Trevor Hunter is doing, what Dion's done, and what Trevor Hunter's uh, decision to to kind of break the mold and and really be a history maker in some sense is the number one overall recruit according to 24-7 is going to take his talents down to Jackson State. Um, as you pointed out, the NIL money, I think, of course, is facilitating this, but that's facilitating recruiting everywhere. So, like, I'm not been out of shape that he's getting money at Jackson State because he was no. getting money at Florida State. He was going to get money at Georgia. Like, all this is quite the same. Um the real challenge, and I think what what Dion has been able to do is put together two really amazing classes. I think there was a discussion last year, uh, uh, last signing class, that it was the greatest in FCS history. Um, with when his son was one of the quarterback was a four star quarterback, and he had a handful of others. The number one JUCO DB who was gonna many thought were gonna attend uh, University of Georgia ended up at Jackson State. So there's a lot there, that he's been doing this for in the short amount of time he's been there. He's been able to put together, I think, two fantastic recruiting classes uh, and really change the momentum. Um, but what is also very clear, at least in the commentary, the public commentary that I've seen, is that uh, these the 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 level of exploitation that <laughs> that we already know about college sports in general and college football in particular. It has gotten a lot of fans very upset that black players have chosen to 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 be exploited at a different kind of institution right, rather right. than their institution. <laughs> right. And I think that's a, that's also a very interesting dynamic. Right. Which is often undergirding what many HBCU fans have said for for decades, which is, um, you know, if we could just get black players, our best blue chip players to stay at home at, at our HBCUs, then that money that's flowing to Alabama could possibly flow back into these HBCUs. I just suspect that um, uh, that's a hard sell for me. That's a hard belief, but I do think that that's the source of the optimism uh, that this signing and others that Dion's ha- has created down at Jackson State. You know, the other thing too is, is, is this is a, this is really a four or five year project, right? Will mm-hmm. this guy get drafted, right? What happens? Will this number one player pan out? And he might not have panned out at Florida State, right? Cause we see that kind of stuff all the time. But if he does it, people will just point to it. Coaches, recruiters, you know, will mm-hmm. point to it. And see, this is what happens, right? You go to Alabama, I'm guarantee you, you know, you're a first round pick. You go there, uh, maybe not, right? And, and so, it's it's you know four or five years now it it you know it should work out hopefully it works out the other thing though is i'm really interested to see if these hbcus have the infrastructure for what might happen right let's say there's this great big wave of change maybe it's one player this time but if we're going to like 10 20 players all of a sudden this is this is this is going to be interesting because now what what stands out what separates them from Mississippi, like Jackson State from Mississippi, it's the money, mm-hmm. right? It's the facilities. It's the amount of coaches. It's the coaches, right? Who's at who's who's at Mississippi? Um, Lane, Lane? yeah, right. And so, what does his contract say? My Seven coach million make, dollars a year. 
right? My seven million, my coach has got to make this, this, this. How do you compete with that? Like over the long, you might be able to compete with it with one player, mm-hmm. right? But but I don't know. Can you do that with thirty players, right? And 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 do you even have the facilities because? They have the alumni base that will pump money in. Okay, here, you need a private jet. We're going to get you this yeah. private jet. You need a, 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 a river pool or whatever, a lazy river. We're going to get you that lazy river, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's 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 going to be tough. because. But then again, this kid went on the trip. You know, he went to these schools. He went to Florida State. He went to Jackson State. And he said, you know what? This is, this is going to be home for me. Um, can you get enough kids to do that? Uh, because with this new NIL thing, this is, you know, we saw it with SMU, right? Eric Dickerson mm-hmm. and them, we're just going to create slush money, right? Here, yeah. Here's a million. And <laughs> that, can you do that, right? Can you do that? Now, just with one person, can you do that for 20 people? Can you do that for your whole old line? And that's what's going to be interesting. And then it's, we talked about it, what, about a year and a half ago, those facilities, yeah. right? Like, like when a kid sees something, when he sees that big old, you know, that indoor facility, you know, there's a locker room, right? When you know, we talked about LSU with the fancy life. Yeah. 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 No. So that's what, to me, that's, what's going to be super interesting. Can you, can you keep this up? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, 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 that makes this, I think this so startling is that environment that we're watching, right? We're watching an environment where like mid-major programs are having facilities, right? Like uh, at my alma mater, University of Maryland, we just opened the, the, um, uh, the, a new field house uh, that used to be in Cole State, uh, Cole Field House, right? A new indoor facility with a new weight room and new all is, it's beautiful, right? I mean, it's, it's luxury. I mean, and, and we're going to do that to try to go seven and five every year, right? <laughs> like, because uh, <laughs> um, we play in the Big Ten East, right? Like, we win eight games, we feel we playing with house money, right? Um, and, and we're watching at, here at University of Kentucky, where Kentucky's football program has made tremendous strides in the lat under Mark Stoops. You know, part of the thing that they, that his demand was uh, in this rate, we talked about the coaching carousel in our last uh, in the last pod and the coaching carousel. He asked for a new indoor facility that doesn't have a track around it. Right. Because he don't want to share space with the track and field team. Right. Like wow. this is the kind of this is the kind of uh, of things that we're seeing. It's, it's an arms race. Right. Everybody's getting new and new, new and better facilities. Um, and and so black colleges, which are already starting with the legacy of segregation and structural inequalities. Right. They don't have, you know, because racism, this, let's be real. Like we just don't have, you know, dozens and dozens of boosters who graduated from 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 Tuskegee or Jackson State or Florida A&M who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars so that they could just have as tax write-offs giving money back to their alma mater, right. right? Like it's just not happening on the academic side or in the athletic side. And so they, you know, that legacy of just people who are concerned and support the program, let alone the kind of facilities we we're talking about, you know, billion dollar, multi hundred million dollar facilities that we're seeing put in uh, at, the, at the division one level. And even at the FCS level, you look at some place like North Dakota State, which has unbelievable facilities indoor. They play up there in the Fargo Dome or you look at JM, uh, James Madison, who has unbelievable enrichment, have great facilities. Uh, Old Dominion, who just left FCS to go into uh, uh, FBS a few years ago. So we see this up and down uh, the ladder. We're not just talking about the Alabamas of the world. We're talking about the app states of the world, right? That there's a still a huge difference. And so how do they close the gap? You know, this signing is like, oh, we got Georgia or LSU or 
Ole Miss, but like how do they close the gap to, to Jackson State, uh, to, to Appalachian State, right? How do they close the gap from to, to Boise State? You know, good, what we think of group of five program. How do they become that, you know, close that gap even at, or even to North Dakota State at the top of the FCS uh, level? Um, and that's a real, that's a real challenge. Uh, and I don't know how they do the facilities thing. And I don't know the NIL money that Dion's able to manipulate through his connections and get to, to key players. The question is, is, you know, is he going to be able to do that same kind of relationship building to get facilities? <laughs> right. Cause that's, that's different, right? That's not like the subway, the subway indoor stadium or whatever, like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's alumni driven, right? That's that. You got a billionaire as your alumni or whatever, you know, Oklahoma State. That's why they're good at football, right? That billionaire. I think he yeah. passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Oil oil tycoon, right? Yeah. I, I want to see a good football team, and this is what you get. Um, yeah. That's yeah. why Arkansas is a player, right? They got both Jerry Jones and um, uh, who else do they have? Uh, they got Jerry Jones who writes huge checks to them. Yeah. and Walmart. It's in, you know, they, get, exactly. <laughs> they got all that Walmart yeah. money. Where it can, I think where you can get a, a little bit of makeup is what we've seen over the last couple of years is the TV money, right? We've talked about this in other places. I've, I wrote about this maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, I sat back one day, just briefly looked at the, these TV contracts. Remember, we talked about how, how they've always been shut out of the TV money. And for mm-hmm. years recently, the money they got was just to get beat up, right? But you're only getting $900,000 for that check, $500,000 for that check. You don't have that billion dollar contract. What will be interesting is can you get a contract from ESPN, a, a league wide? Like, hopefully, it's not like, hopefully, Jackson State doesn't pull a Texas, like, yeah. we're the big dogs here. Let's get our own contract, right? It's got to be like a league wide or what a multi league wide contract where you're on ESPN, not, not Ocho or not ESPN3, right? You're yeah. on there. You're on NBC. You're on something, right? Like that. That that'll get you some money back, right? And then and then you'll be able to share it and build up these facilities. But again, the tough part is like you've been to Grambly. Like I've been. I don't been to Grambly. I was like, oh my gosh, how? That's the first thing I thought when I went to Grambly. How did you have these great teams here, right? But it's because the options for everything else was pretty much closed to them, right? Like yeah. nobody was rooting Doug, Doug Williams's post. You know, post Jim Crow. I know. I know. Roland Martin had put something on his Twitter like this hadn't happened since Jim Crow. But, but let's say someone like J- Doug Williams. He he's post Jim Crow. He had he, you know people knew right in the Baton Rouge area. He had the arm. He was probably the best high school quarterback. They didn't want nothing to do with Doug Williams, right? Like, like right, right. Like, you know, and and so so he winds up. His choices are Southern. It's Grambling. He wind up at at Grambling, right? Um, but but then you go there. And you're like, oh my, Grambling's like maybe i mean it's 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 tiny it's smaller mm-hmm. than like the college that i'm in the co- you know cars of la, la liberal arts and science right like 13 we got thirteen thousand students we're pretty we're pretty big buildings and stuff around there and it's just you go there it's like okay like how are you going to get them there but also it's like you just hope that the only reason why that you're not updating facilities and stuff is 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 to attract sports right like like there's got to be something else there. It's got to um, be a broader commitment, right? Right. It's got to be a like you said. It's got to be a broader commitment there. Uh, but it's, to me, it's like again. I know we're we're you know running on time here. I want I want you guys to be able to get to your your place where you're going. Um, but it's it's just so big, right? Because we've been talking about this for years about the the great player going. 
what if the Fab Five went to Southern or Grambling? Here mm-hmm. we have in football. I think it'd be make a bigger impact in basketball if you got like a Mikey Williams or, or you know, a couple of the top top guys of class of 2022, 2023 all go together instead of going to that one over whatever that league overtime is, league overtime league. They say, you know, we're just going to go to this because you can get the same money, right? Mm-hmm. You, you get these basketball guys, they man, they're on the Tiki talks or the, the Instagrams or <laughs> the whatever they're at. <laughs> they, they can get whatever they want, right? Just I mean, wherever we they talked go. about and this last year really when, when McCord McCord went to Howard, right? And I think that the problem always is, is, is for black colleges is that basketball, I think, provides the best opportunity to make a dramatic impact, right? One, because you're talking about they have the same scholarship numbers as Duke, right? So they got 15 scholarships. They can go out and compete the NCAA tournament. So a five, five, a fab five could do some, some real damage if they are able to be cohesive and, and effective. Um, the flip side of that is, is that like, to be perfectly honest, man, except for like a handful of black colleges, HBCUs love football. Right. Like it's a football territory, right? Like it's, it's, it's like they love homecoming. They love the classic with the exception of like Winston Salem state, um, Howard at times and a couple of other programs. We're talking about basketball is interesting and something for them to do, but that's not the way that they imagine their sports world. Like it's governed in the fall, right? You can't get right. the marching 100 on the basketball floor, right? Like this is what I'm saying, right? Like you can't. You know, fam, you can't get the band, right? We, we, you know, when Jackson State shows up, they played Alcorn State this year. They had nearly 60,000 people, right, at the football game, right? You know, the sonic boom of the South. We got the dancing girls. Like, we got the whole drum majors. That's a whole production. Right. Um, and I actually think that makes for great television. If they ever figure out, I mean, the key for black colleges on TV, let me just put this out here, is they have to figure out how to show both the the marching band and and capture its sound it always sounds terrible on television if they could ever figure out how to to, to televise the marching band in a real way to catch the dot like from your seat to, to be like oh that is unbelievable what they're doing in the marching band as part of this culture to get you know to generate fan interest on both on television and a quality play they can never figure that out. I think there'd be some interesting television drama, but every time I watch it on television, the band and like this, it, it doesn't sound right. Maybe it's they're sending not the best equipment, like they were sending to the Rose Bowl or that kind of stuff. So I think there's all kinds of variables at play. Um, the stuff on YouTube that that the schools put out sounds better in many cases than what ESPN does in trying to cover the band. Um, but yeah, man, I think this is a big moment. I think it's a big moment for HBCU football. Um, I hope it translates to other young men uh, and women in other sports to really t- to take consideration. And we've seen this slow, this slow transition we saw last year with Howard and Michael McCord. Mickey Williams is considering an HBCU. Now we see that Deion and Jackson State, Florida A&M had a fantastic recruiting class this year, as well as last year with a number of three and four star guys. Um, and and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, North Carolina a and I don't want to miss that. I was down in North Carolina, stopped on their beautiful campus. A&T's been killing the track game. They they signed another high school All-American track star uh, the other week. Um, oh, wow. And so we're seeing like, you know, the, the making some inroads in various different sports. Um, and so the hope is that that we can get 
you know, it's not going to be consistent across the board. We know that not all HBCUs are going to be able to commit the kind of time, resources and money needed to have successful athletics. But I think it's going to be very valuable for a number of programs in a number of different kinds of sports to, to really show the kind of initiative uh, uh, to be, be successful and national players, to have this kind of moment that Dion had in basketball, to have this kind of moment in women's soccer, to have this moment in, in track and field. And so I think that to, to let young people, a new generation of, of young people to realize that HBCUs are valuable and, and viable and, and a great opportunity to get a high quality education at an institution that's going to value you in a way that many PWIs have a hard time doing. Right. On that, I think on that note, we should get out. But first, shout out to Monet Davis, right? Who, who the star Little League pitcher, who, who she wound up going, where's she playing? She's a softball at Hampton, right? Yeah, Hampton, uh, yeah. She started it all. all right. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys have a, a wonderful break. Like you said, that we, this was a, an emergency. We had to get to this one. Uh, we will be vacationing for the next couple of weeks. So I don't think we'll be have the opportunity to to do another show until the new year so again thank you guys for staying with us on that note peace peace